Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be looking into why there are no scary monsters in the Akashics, even though they are very much a part of embodied life. People often take the as-above-so-below aphorism literally. For example, Adam was made in God's image, therefore God must be a man, and man should be the template for all life and all life functions. Another example, if there are hierarchies of life forms here, there must be similar or exactly the same types of hierarchies in the spirit realm. Hence the various levels of angels and ascended masters. These concepts, extrapolated from our embodied experience, attempt to help us understand and therefore have control and agency over the spiritual. This would be a very helpful enterprise if our experience here were a microcosm of the Akashic experience, of what life is like for us when we're home as spiritual beings. However, the embodied experience on this planet is not meant to be a tiny embodied replica of the rest of existence. In fact, this embodiment is far from replicating anything else, which is what makes it so valuable a place for experience and growth, as well as for learning crucial lessons of becoming. As I've written about previously, being corporeal, here or otherwise, allows us the privilege of being encased in a body so we can fully experience our own thoughts and emotions without causing anyone else distress. There's irony in the fact that the one thing most people feel so distressed about, being disconnected from others, is one of the things we most prize in deciding to become embodied because our natural state is without form or boundaries in any sense we would recognize here. Our means of connection is to merge with the other. We communicate with our thoughts and our emotions. We therefore must regulate everything we think and feel in every moment so as not to harm or discomfort any other being. And in most cases, we are in community at all times. Being embodied allows us to think and feel whatever we want as much as we want whenever we want without harming anyone. But this also allows us to learn the myriad of lessons which are unique to this planet. Distilled down to their essence, this planet teaches about love and fear. One of the most difficult lessons to reach and work through is the realization These are not opposites. Love is not something to achieve, nor is fear something to overcome. The point is to accept fear and to love despite it, because of it, to become through it. On the way to learning this, we are led to discover things such as fear is actually the hot spice in the chocolate of love, which heightens the experience that without having experienced fear, we cannot truly understand the depths and the breadth of all love's aspects. Fear allows us the honor of experiencing grief, the sorrow of loving, 
and joy, the brilliant extreme of loving, and without this, our knowledge of love is less. This embodied experience is the classroom where we're able to explore what is negative in ourselves, in circumstances, in others. Just look at our physical form. Yes, opposable thumbs and a very large brain. But otherwise, we're hairless monkeys which died just being left out on our own too long in the elements. We're beings on a planet that, for the most part, is inimical to our own lives. Too hot, too cold, water we can't drink, weather and terrain we can't survive at any given time, changing conditions which take away one or more of the things we need to survive, like food or water, and plenty of animals which can do us in from the large predators to the tiniest organisms. Don't even get me started on the chemicals we have to guard against in our food, our clothes, and the building materials in our own homes. There is plenty to fear in just being here. Then add in the interactions of human beings. There are times when good people make mistakes and hurt others unintentionally. There are times when good people intend to hurt. We're all human and have moments. Then there are people who don't have the best intentions, but are relatively harmless, such as the office gossip or the bored person on a committee, which scales up to those who do harm, such as those who use others to get money, to get their social or sexual needs met, but never intend to reciprocate, nor do they care about the damage they do. Of course, there are those who are malicious and know they are, such as business people who defraud, thieves of all kinds, gang members, bad cops, etc. And there are the predators of all variants, casual, long-term, vicious, clandestine, you name it. And there are always the wars. Good, bad, or indifferent, war does almost no good and such irretrievable harm, it's hard to fathom how we could enter into such things, and yet they are occurring all around us at any given time. So much so that religions set aside specific days as times of peace when war should have a ceasefire. We tend to think of people who do bad things as bad people, as younger souls, those who don't know any better, who have lots to learn, who are unevolved, who are messing up and karma will catch up with them, etc., 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 especially when we're on the receiving end of their behavior. None of us is perfect. None of us has gone through life completely free of error. And I would be fairly secure in saying every one of us at some time in our lives, has done something we realized during or after was wrong and felt vindicated in the choice anyway. Regrets happen when we realize the error and we can't undo them. With that said, there are so many of us embodied right now, and for as many reasons as there are beings, and with just as many lessons to learn and levels of beingness. So yes, some beings who are doing bad things are doing them because they're learning to know better, 
or are making mistakes they will learn from once they are home. But we shouldn't assume this is the case for all beings here who are being bad actors. Some beings come here to be bad actors, not because they don't know, but because they do. Because they know without the fear we can't truly understand the love, they commit to the service work of aiding and supporting the fear. They come to act badly in order for us to learn. It's a sacrifice of their time and their being, something they choose to do out of love and dedication to others. There's a lovely children's book which describes this beautifully called The Little Soul and the Sun. It's also expressed well by Tolkien's words. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Without truly knowing the person, one cannot know the source of their behavior and whether the lessons are something they are supposed to be learning or something they are teaching. Which leads us to something I don't often speak of, but is worth mentioning here. Are there bad things in this embodied world? Yes. Demons, bad spirits, entities, all of these things exist. Because this embodied experience doesn't have enough to scare us, what with nuclear weapons and global warming and E. coli and genocide, let's add in spiritual dangers as well. This is a flippant way of acknowledging, just as embodiment must provide us with the spiritual energies to be and thrive here, including physical necessities, emotional experiences, and mental challenges, so it must also provide the structure and the wherewithal for negative events to occur. Therefore, if there's a Gaia supporting our beingness, there must be beings try to subvert us in order for fear to exist. And these things lead us, in any given lifetime, to learn there are bad things out there. Bad things happen to good people, and we should be aware of what could happen. If you're burned, you become aware of what might be hot and treat those things with special care and attention to prevent further burning incidents. If you've been abused by someone, you seek to avoid having a recurrence of the event in a similar situation or from someone who seems similar to the abuser. This is one of the ways we learn here and is one of the reasons why we take as above, so below, so literally at times. If life is like this here, then the same must exist there, right? As far as there being scary monsters and bad things in the Akashics waiting to hurt us, no. The Akashics is not the same as embodied life in this respect. Because the Akashics, the spiritual world where we reside, is not a place where we are meant to or experience fear. This embodied life is a classroom while the Akashics is the actual world we live in. It's a beautiful, enriching, amazing place, and when we access it, 
We are going home where we are supported and loved and accommodated in our uniqueness. All in the Akashics is love in every variety imaginable and many that are not. The only fearful things we will experience there are things we generate through our own fear. Our fears will be reflected back to us, pointed out to us, gently quelled, and we will be given opportunities to work through them in the best, most loving way possible. So when you go to the Akashics, there's nothing to fear. But if you are afraid, you find something which causes you to fear, that's okay. It's an opportunity to work through your fears in a loving way. The more you can do this, the more you can love fully yourself and everyone else now in this embodied life. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be comparing two different means of walking a spiritual path, that of perpetual high school student and one of being served in a restaurant. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thanks. Bye.